Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Hi everyone, Pastor Jeff Woodward here from Metro Church again, and welcome to one of my favourite parts of the entire month, which is the segment or the session we call My Story, where we interview someone from our church and begin to talk with them about their background, their upbringing, and then about their journey with God. And today, uh, I've got a wonderful couple that we're going to be introducing to you and their story is quite fascinating. I think what you're going to love is the insight into how two very different cultures can end up building a great family. And I know that some of you will have those kind of, uh, I guess, ends uh, in your life as well. Maybe not everyone in your family is a Christian, or maybe uh, you come from very different parts of planet Earth or uh, some other differences there. I know that in Metro Church, where we have so many cultures, uh, it's important that we understand the things that matter the most. And so we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But before we do that, I always want to take time to honour people's generosity, their giving. I know that for many of us, it's been year after year after year of serving God, not just with our time or with the gifts that He's given us, but with our resources as well. And I always want to take the time to honour that. I think it's important that we do that. I never want our giving to be something that's glossed over quickly or that is simply ignored, but rather I think it's something that's incredibly valuable and uh, not just for your life personally, as God promises to bless, but also for the kingdom of God and that we're able to make a difference. When I think about all the things that the world invests in, uh, the world doesn't invest in the kingdom of God. That's up to us as believers to do that. And so I want to thank you for it. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for generosity. And how about we pray together right now over your giving. Father, we thank you for what you've given us. You have blessed us. You have empowered us. You have graced us so that we have something that we're able to contribute. And Father, I thank you for that today. I pray, God, for every person who's giving faithfully. I pray, God, that they're discovering the journey of faith and the journey of blessing. Lord, not just putting you to the test week by week, but, Lord, over years and over months, beginning to see your hand of blessing over their life and over their family, over their business life. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to help each one of us Thank you for giving us wisdom in all that we need and all that we do. I ask you to bless every giver in Jesus' name. Amen. So God bless you and thank you for that. But this is my story. Let me introduce to you two amazing people, and I don't use that term lightly. Someone actually asked me a little while ago, they said, is everyone in Metro Church amazing? And I said, well, actually, yeah, they are. Uh, but this is Donald and Kate Putu. Welcome. Uh, thank you for inviting us into your home today as well. I think uh, I was here last year, was it, when we had the birthday celebration? Two years ago. Uh, two years ago, was it? I remember that, and that planted the seed for me of wanting to come and sit with you both and ask you because I saw the hospitality, the generosity, and really the tone that you brought to that whole day. Mm -hmm. Donald, you were passing around a stick, I remember. Is that right? Yes. Uh, the stick is, is, comes from Maori culture, is that right? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what does it mean? Okay, so um, this is quite interesting, but um, it, we have 
what we call uh, Poroporo Ake, which is the last night of a funeral, for mm. example. Um, and so what we do is what we call it is we call it as um, passing the rako, which is like passing the stick. Uh-huh. Okay, and so everyone who's gathered in the Marae area will actually get an opportunity to speak wow. to the deceased person, wow. you know, their last words. Uh, it's more for the family, yeah, yeah. you know, so they, they, they learn the stories about the family who are left. And so, family is very important in Maori culture, isn't it? It is. It is. It is and it is. you were telling me earlier, how many first cousins do you have? Um, I think when we 109 was <laughs> on my mum's side. Let's just get that again. That's 109 first cousins. First cousins on my mum's side. Yeah. So when the Putu family get together, yeah, it's. It's a very There's hundreds of us. Hundreds of us. There's hundreds of us, yes. But, Kate, you're from Slovakia, Mm. which is in the eastern part of Europe, isn't it? And your family, how many first cousins do you think you have? I have five. Five. So a five first cousin family marries a 109 first cousin family and already the dynamics of that would be so incredibly different. Donald, tell me... What did family life look like for you growing up in New Zealand? I mean, 109 cousins get together. What did a family gathering look like? Um, well, well, a family gathering in New Zealand, especially in my particular family, is um, if we all get together, it's usually over funerals or parties, and um, all the first cousins will turn up, and then their children and their children. So those first cousins are all around about my age or older. And so there would... Literally, there'd be like two or three hundred people, just immediate family, wow. would turn up to a, a funeral, for example. And is it a really big planned event? Like, do you, does someone send out a, you know, a big email beforehand and you bring this and is it, or do you just all turn up like a... Well, I, I've got probably four or five cousins, I'll call, and the whole family will know about it. Yeah, yeah so that they'll, they'll let everybody else know about what's happening and... But what about things like the food for the feast thing or whatever? Is that all meticulously planned? <laughs> See, that's what I thought you were doing. <laughs> so what about the sleeping arrangements? Because where do you all stay? You just Okay, so Marae is basically broken up about three or four different facilities. Um, you've got a sleeping area, yeah. which literally means mattress on ground in a big kind of so community find area. Find a place. Find a place, lay down there. That's it. And hopefully you're not beside the loudest snoring auntie because you will not sleep. <laughs> and then there is the eating area. And so we only do our eating and feasting in that area. Uh-huh. And it, back to your question about the food, the family bring the food. Just whatever. Just whatever. So if they bring two, three cows, they bring two, three cows. If they bring <laughs> a couple of sheep, they bring a couple of sheep. How did you go, seriously... Kate, when you did you know what you were in for when you married this man? No, <laughs> not at all, because he doesn't have much family over oh, here. Okay. So only when I visited New Zealand, when we got engaged, yeah, it was a shock. Was it? <laughs> yeah. So I'm guessing that family life for you growing up didn't look like bring two or three cows or some sheep or... 109 cousins and find a place to sleep. I'm gathering it was a bit more structured and planned. Is that right? Yes. Our family is much smaller, so it was yeah. more yeah. private, just the family together. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But family would be just as important to you, I'm sure, 
as it would be to Donald. It's just done differently. Is that right? Yes, that's something we agreed on. Yeah, yeah family. Wow. I think it's. I've said this to young couples. I said it to someone only just this week. That when two people marry, everyone thinks I'm marrying an individual. But I say you're not really. You're marrying the family culture of that person. And no matter whether you're as distinctly different as Maori culture is from Slovakian culture or not, uh, when I married Rhonda, we're both from this country and yet our culture differences were there and the, and you don't discover them until you marry that person. Um You've got three beautiful children. Yes. How does that work out, raising children? I'm guessing there's a Maori way to raise children yes. and a Slovakian way. So what works here? Tell me how this happens. Um, it's, it's a challenge because it's, it's about compromise. Yeah. So... I mean, I'm very, I'm very open. I'm very social with with the children. I'd like to socialise them, but I still have to compromise. I have to understand that it's about myself and Kate. Now we, yeah. we're we're a family. That's together. such a great point. And yeah. so this is our family unit. So we have to, yeah. I know I've got 109 cousins, but to be all honestly, even if we were back in New Zealand, it would still be about Kate, I, and our three children because they're the ones you want to raise to the next generation. Yeah. They're the ones you're bringing up to the next level. And so it's such an important point, I think, because for a lot of people, compromise is a bad word. Mm. You know, they hear the word compromise and go, oh, that's bad or wrong or that's weak. Mm. When the reality is what you're saying is that you're not compromising because you don't like conflict. You're compromising because you go, the real purpose here is raising these children. Yes. It's not my culture matters the most. Mm. And I think that point gets lost for a lot of people even when it comes to kingdom culture, which we'll talk about a bit later, uh, it gets lost and people start going, yes, but my background's the right way. Mm. Um, I mean, but I'm also imagining that there would have been some journeying. How old is your, your firstborn? How old is she? Uh, she's turning eight soon. She's turning yeah. eight. So can I take you back a bit, Kate, to when she's just been born, the baby comes home, Probably that's all pretty similar to everything that you would be used to, but it's when they start getting to the age where they discover their will and their own personality. And was there some discussions you and Donald had to have about discipline, for instance, or how structured this, uh, you know, child's life would be? Um, I think we always agreed that we want to discipline children and Donald always said that think... um, we are raising adults, not children. Wow. So we want them to, yeah, to learn how to look after themselves and wow. be, yeah, independent or learn things, uh, be part of family helping ground. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. I, again, I think how you set yourself up and with what you see as being the main purpose is always one of the most important things. And yet for so many people, it's a bit of an afterthought. They don't think about it until too late. The comment that you've said Donald made about it, we're raising adults. Um, We're raising children that can think. And so that plays into how much you converse with the children, how much you involve them, how much they understand what your core beliefs are. Because I know that for both of you as Christians, there is a commitment to not just uh, raise children 
you, you can't believe for your children. Uh, they will have to make their own decision, but you guide your children. Um, and I think that's something that's been very important to both of you. Uh, how much has your faith, do you think, helped your building your family? A lot, yeah. Just being, um, had to rely on God, yeah, lean right. on Him, trust Him more than ourselves that we can do it, mm. especially because we are just two of us. We don't have family. Yeah. Yeah. And once you have little ones, kids, you find that uh, you, know, you really miss the grandparents and, yeah, yeah wider family. Yeah, that's true, isn't so. it? I also know, though, because I know you both, that you've got a very strong network of friends. Friends, not a really a good enough word, but for people in the church that you're close to. Yes. Um, you serve, don't you, Donald, in the parents' room as well yes. as, uh, yeah, in the children's ministry. And I know that there are people that I could name some that I know that are, they're not surrogate grandparents, no one takes their place, but they're there. Yeah. And that's a pretty big kind of plus for you guys, isn't it? Yeah. You know? I think... Um when it comes to church, I mean, it's, it's provided a, a network that nurtures us right. and, so, and nurtures my family. So it goes back to our old traditional saying that used to be like, it's not a person or family that raises a child, but it's the community. Yeah, right. And so they're involved in a community. They're involved in a community of faith. Yeah. They're involved in a community where their friends are of a community of yeah. faith. And so we try and invest in them as much mm. faith as we can invest in them without being... Yeah. Overbearing as such. Yeah. We want them to enjoy, we want them to make choices. So like we'll ask our daughter, would you like to go to do this or go to that Sunday school or would you like to do that Sunday school? And she goes, oh, I really want to go back and do that Sunday school. Mm. So um, there has been more than one situations where we let the children, we, we introduce them to right. a community of faith and then we let them make a choice whether they would like to return to their community of faith. And so our children are actually making a choice. They're actually taking responsibility for their own growth. And that's our oldest, as you were saying, is seven going on eight. Mm. But it's something we wanted to impart on her. You need to take responsibility Mm. for yourself and your siblings because we're not going to always be around to hold your hand and do things for you. So we need to encourage you Mm. to be strong in your faith. I know that uh, one of the things we've said a lot over the years for Metro Kids is that we are not here for childcare. Mm. We are here for spiritual development and for raising these children to love God. We're not talking about indoctrination here. We're talking about presenting the gospel in a way that they can understand that's appropriate for different ages, uh, but also one that hopefully the kids enjoy and go, we like, I hear regularly from parents saying, my kids want to come. And I go, I think that's a great testimony um, of what that means. How, How important, apart from your faith though, what do you think have been the, the key beliefs? You've already mentioned a couple, things like, uh, you know, that family matters or, uh, you know, raising children to think, etc. Are there other things that you look at and you go, they were, they were common things that you shared, despite the obvious difference in your backgrounds? Of, yeah. uh, have you been to Slovakia, by the way? Yes, I have, yes. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, I find it quite... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I mean, yeah, okay, then, all right then. So, like, I've been to Slovakia and I find it quite dated 
in 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 its infrastructure and it's it's like going back to New Zealand in the 80s. Well, I think it's been coming out it's of coming out, a, of, it, yeah. out yeah. of a time. I've been to some of the Eastern European countries where years and years of communist rule yeah. have produced a bit of a lag in some of the infrastructure, as you say. But and yet I've found that the people generally are some of the most welcoming, hospitable people. I know in Bulgaria, they even, I obviously don't look Bulgarian, uh, but yet they would be so friendly and welcoming to you and say hello to you and tolerate the fact that you can't speak a word of Bulgarian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tolerate my my try, attempts at getting them to understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was really strange, and this one, one incident in Slovakia. Um, I was going through the checkout counter. I was coming out of a shopping centre. I think it was the Lidl or something. It's one of the bigger chains. And I actually, as you do in Australia, you say to the checkout girl, how's your day going? She gave me the deathest stare. It's like, who are you? I, I don't know who you are. Why would you ask me such a question? And I thought to myself, sorry, I said too much, sorry. But that's the differences in culture that I find as I've travelled around a, a number of countries, that they're different. And at first, from your culture, you think they're wrong. That's terrible. Once you begin to understand it, you go, oh, no, I see why you are like that. And I'm the one who needs to adjust, which brings me to this whole thing of kingdom culture. Because Jesus began his entire ministry, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Um, he said, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. That appears five times in three chapters. And I don't know any other part of the entire scripture that's got that uh, much repetition of the same thing. And he's saying to the disciples, and he's contrasting the culture of spiritual life as they've known it growing up in Israel under Roman occupation. Like he said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye. And he goes, but I say to you, you know, he said, if uh, they compel you to walk one mile, I'm telling you you should walk two. And that must have been incredibly shocking to these people who are used to a way of doing it. Mm. And then Jesus says, but it's not going to be like that in my kingdom. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in the world you're used to, whoever's in charge lords it over you, but it will not be so amongst you. And really for three and a half years, Jesus is saying to these people, get ready for a different way of doing life. And for all of us, whether you're Slovakian, marrying a Maori, or whether you're just uh, a, a born in Australia guy, marrying a born in Australia girl, we come to Christ and there's a culture clash yes. because the kingdom has got a lot to say about how we do life. Yes. And... A lot of people, I think, think being a Christian is just about you believe something yeah. and that's it. Yeah. And you put it in a box mm -hmm. and then on. But as you guys well know, yeah. kingdom affects what you do with your money, how you raise your kids, about your relationships. Yes. You know, in the world, if someone ticks you off, who cares? Yeah. You were saying to me that you, was that just recently you woke up or something with that scripture out of Ephesians in your mind? This morning. This morning. Ephesians 4. Yeah, Ephesians 4, what does it say again? <laughs> uh, it's, it just talks about never let the sun go down on your anger. Okay. See, that's a kingdom thing, isn't it? It is. Because in the world, you don't have to live like that. You can stew on it all you like. You can come up with all the ways that you can wreak vengeance on that person and yes. get back at them or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, that whole competitive nature and yet we come to the kingdom and it says, don't do that. And you've got to all of a sudden go, well, am I going to follow my culture yeah. or am I going to follow the kingdom culture? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So that plays out pretty differently, doesn't it? It does, yes. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. What other things do you think have helped build your family? Are there some habits that you guys have built that have helped build family life? I think that we decided to put God first mm-hmm. uh, is the main one in our marriage first and then what family. Does that, can I yeah. ask, what does that look like in practical ways? Does that mean you pray together or you read the Bible together or does it just mean you acknowledge God? How does it work? So practical day, uh, we wake up with God. Okay. So we uh, make a, a quiet time priority mm. um, together, together, do together a little bit and then individually on our mm. own. Mm. And then when kids are up, we get them to sit down, play together. Sometimes it might be just on the way to school in the car. Yeah, yeah. We bless them, we speak over them, yeah. we mm. ask them to pray and yeah, yeah things like that. Uh, if we have weekend or school holidays, we sit down as well in the morning and read the Bible. Uh-huh. Let them. Can, can I ask, just pardon me for jumping in here, but I'm interested because in Australia that tends to be the mum who does that more than the father. I think initiative was maybe from my side, but now we do it. He's okay. quite a present father, yes, so yes. if he's around, we do it together as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's not kind of, it doesn't have to be a big religious production no. either, does it? No. It's a bit like people will ask me, what's the best way to pray? And I go, well, whatever best way you talk to God, that's the best way to pray. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. yeah, we found just even 10 minutes, 15 minutes, um, yeah, we have. But it's a habit yeah. and commitment that we want to build, continue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wow. Anything else that you can think of, Donald, in that area that... Um, yeah, um, that, that's, that's definitely a key aspect. Um, the fact that we still get them to different different Sunday schools and stuff so that they learn a little bit more different teaching styles, different present um, teaching styles that they learn from. Um, we also find that um, the way we, we control the media in the house as well. Right. Tell me about that. Mm, just uh, a little bit media, especially now, nowadays, social media, uh, TV, um, yeah, Netflix. so they don't have access to it too much or, right. yeah. There's and plenty if of we, time for that later if you get, bring some guidelines yeah. for them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 So um, that's, and that, that probably wasn't a religious thing. I think that was just a, we knew that it didn't really have much benefit right. for them to sit there and watch two hours of cartoon mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe reading a little bit or writing. It becomes child minded for a lot of people, doesn't it? It's it does, yeah, do yeah, yeah. Watch and keep them yeah. quiet. Yeah, and I mean, and I, yeah, and Kate and I kind of had this thing. I mean, yeah, we've got TVs and stuff, but when we got married, we never were really watching TV ourselves. Right. So it was something we personally don't really do. So right. we can't, so it's, it's an example. So right. we don't say, you can't watch TV, but I can. It's like, no, you can't watch TV and I don't. And so the only one, only time I watch TV is when you're watching TV. And so the children kind of understand that we lead by example. And a lot of our, our uh, what do they call it, uh, incidental learning actually happens through examples. So, like, I take my cup back to the bench. My child sees me. My child models it. They take their cup back to the bench, you know. Or I put the dishwasher on. They do the dishwasher because it's, it's all incidental learning. So, like, 
We don't only have you know active learning, we've got incidental learning in our was life. Was that a part of your growing up, the whole contributing as a family thing? Was that a, or not? <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest with you. If, <laughs> if, if, if any of my sisters were sitting here, they'd say, Donald, you were spoiled and we did all the work. <laughs> Sisters. <laughs> I think it's an important thing. I really think it's an important part of raising family is, is raising your children to help. Yes. One of my favourite things with my grandchildren is I say, would you like to help? Yeah. Because they always say yes. yes. And if you start when they're very little, yes. would you like to help? Come and help, Granddad. Come and help. Yeah. Because one day you can't do it when they turn 13 yeah. and all of a sudden bring in the whole idea of you contributing to the family. Yes. Um, we did this thing when... We moved here to Perth and a few years later, our youngest was born. We started this thing because I looked and I thought family was going to start getting fragmented. I was very busy. You do shift work as well, don't you? Yes, I am. And it was very easy for life to get into compartments where church was a compartment, job was a compartment, etc. So I started this thing I called Family Night. Mm. And one night of every week, you weren't allowed to go out. You couldn't invite friends over. This was just for us. Yeah. And we would sit there and I had a book. And I'd write in the book, there were three things. There was uh, family discussion, and then there was uh, family chores, yeah. and then there was family fun. And the way we did this was so simple, and I've still got one of the books at home, uh, was the family discussion. You were allowed to, like, so one of the children could complain about something one of the other children had done, one of their siblings had done, but they weren't allowed, you weren't allowed to complain until you first had a praise point. <laughs> so we taught them gratitude. Yeah. So you'd have to go, I want to thank, you know, Candace because she helped me with this. And then the other might say, and I want to gripe about Candace because she came into my room without knocking. And so we taught them that. Yeah. And then there were family chores and we'd write all these things down, everything they said. And then we'd have family fun and each family member, there was five of us, of course, every family member got to choose what the next family fun was. And it, most of them never cost much money. Uh, we did that for years. And I think it was one of the best things to give structure because some of what you guys are saying to me now is really about whether you've intentionalized or not, but you're creating structure for family. Yes. You know, so when it comes to the chores, when it comes to the, the Word of God, when it comes to spiritual life, you're creating a structure for these children and that brings safety for kids. Yes. They understand and the values don't have to be preached because they're being lived. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, I found that as well, having uh, sort of like, like a set routine. Yeah. Like we wake up in the morning, we do this, this and this. Really help my children flourish because they can get things achieved faster so that we could spend more time praying together or doing doing our Bible study. So my children will wake up and I'll just, I don't even have to say what they have to do. I'll just say, go and do your morning routine. And then off they go, all of them, off they go, trot off and they go and do their morning routine all the way up to getting a uniform on, shoes, socks, because they're only primary school age. Yeah, but I mean, I've seen your kids. It's not like they're like little robots or yeah. unhappy <laughs> children. They seem to be so... I look at the way children respond to adults that are invited into the home. And your children are very comfortable with having people around them. They're very well adjusted emotionally. They're not fearful or they're not worried that dad's gonna- Run away. Yeah. (laughs) Do his nana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, well done. 
yeah so yeah i think that i think that was one of one of the real definite turning points in our children's life was to put in like you're saying structure put in a routine that's easy that's achievable that yeah, they right. that they feel they're appreciated wow. and you know I, I, I like to um we do I, they get paid as well so they they actually have pocket money but I give them pocket money and I actually teach them about finance as well. So, okay, so you've got tithing. Mm. So my children always have tithes to take to whatever church they go to. Mm. You know, you've got like, um, yeah, Peter would know, but, but you know, you've got tithing, you've got giving, you've got uh, savings, you've got um, spending money. You know, so I've put that in an order so they understand how to use money appropriately and I make sure that they have the right amount in each yeah, right. box. So. They know that their tithe is exactly a fifth of whatever they're getting. Wow. And so they're already starting to do it. They already have their boxes. So I can tell them, okay, it's payday now. They'll go to their rooms and they'll bring out their containers. And then I'll just give them the money and they'll just sort it. Your, put family, must, your family would hear all this and go, what on earth has happened to Don? Yeah, yeah, got married. <laughs> <laughs> you have yeah. been a very good influence on this man, haven't you? Huh? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, I mean and and it's something they get to look forward to. So it, yeah, and it right. teaches them money. So like we have friends that's like, oh, you shouldn't be paying them to do chores. So I say I'm not paying them to do chores, I'm actually showing them how to use money yeah, for great. their future. So I'm encouraging them to learn how to use money now because the one thing you don't learn at school, and most people should know this, is you don't learn finance. No, you don't. And so where does the finance start? Well it starts at home. Yeah, of course. And so I'm teaching that stuff, Kate is involved in it and we all teach them, we encourage them and they do their chores and it's, it's, it's very little pushing back. I don't want to do that chore, I don't want to do that chore, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that. Mm. I said, you know your routine. Yeah. I don't need to repeat myself all the time, you know your routine. Mm. And so, and it just makes my life as a parent easier because I don't have to get on top of them. Like, Yeah, how, let me just ask you one more question because uh, and I'm going to ask you both, if you will, in a minute, to pray for families, because I think families around about our nation uh, are under some pressures. Uh, the last couple of years, particularly with all that's happened with COVID, I think there's been more stretching and distress. Sometimes the anxiety that um, has happened for parents then goes into the children. Yes. So I want to ask you about, um, you know, praying for your children. How, how do you, what do you pray for, for your children? So uh, they pray for themselves as well, they learn. Yeah. Uh, but but we pray, pray. What do you pray for? Um, like general things, we pray for safety, for health, um, for school, for friends, relationships and the future. Um, and then we speak over them as well, the word of God, like you are wonderfully, fearfully made. You are the child of God. You are daughter of the King. We speak all the things to yeah, to bless them, encourage them, to mm. so they know the truth. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. wow. And um, with my children, so like, I'll take them aside, singular, or by themselves, basically. And um, I'll just, over a mile, like, because I know her personality type, so I'm, I'm in a way, I, I say I bless you because her name means um, Waitakapuna, which is basically water, it's a, like a head of a stream that goes into the sea and it's fresh water. And so I bless you that you are the living water of God, that you are going to bring healing, you're going to bring this and wow. that. Anything to do with water is the blessing that I'll use over her. Um, Natalia's middle name is Basilea. Now, 
If you know your Greek, Basilea is what Jesus used in the New Testament every time he referred to the kingdom of God. And so, so you're going to be taking dominion in this area. And so that's my blessing over here in the morning. You take dominion in school. You take dominion over this. And Joshua, salvation. And so my name is real easy to remember. And so Joshua, you will bring salvation. You will be planted by your sister. And, and it, it becomes an entire... It's 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 more than just a it's more than just a, a general prayer. Yeah. It's a specific prayer for that child. So yeah. like whenever I'm praying for Maya, it's about water and the the the, the living water of Christ. So, and whenever I'm praying for Natalia, it's about the kingdom because her name means kingdom. And Joshua, my youngest, it's about salvation and how Joshua brought salvation to his people and how he is named after Jesus and all this. So I'm very specific. So that's why I named them that way. So I could specifically pray that into their future or pray. So it's basically prophecy. There seem to be some people who are a part of this, uh, my story, though, who are going to be going, I didn't start like that. They weren't Christians when they were married. They weren't Christians when they've had their children. And now some of them would be going, my kids are teenagers, I've come to Christ, my kids are adults, it's too late for me to go back, I can't go back to where you guys started. And I would always say to those people, but you can begin to pray. Mm. You know, I love that verse in 1 Corinthians where it talks about that the believing parent sanctifies the children. It doesn't mean that the children are controlled by the believing parent, it means that there is a blessing from God that believing parents or believing parent can bring because maybe there may be some people who are part of this go well, I'm the only believer in my home yes. and I would say your believing has more power than unbelieving does and so I would always encourage them to say why don't you start praying over your family and start exercising a, a an authority in Jesus name yes. not to control but to bless yes. so can I just ask you uh, if you would, to pray for families, then I'm going to talk with people for a minute about starting with Christ because some people who have found this broadcast and there always are people like that who go, tell me how I get started with Jesus. You know, a lot of people know about Jesus, yep. but they don't know Jesus. They just know about him a lot uh, or they think they know about him. So, But before we do that, if you would, would you like to just pray, please, uh, Kate and Don, if you would as well, just for families. Thank you. Yes. Oh, Father, Heavenly Father, we come to you and we uh, ask in your precious name, Lord, that you would bless all the families that are watching, all the families around us, Lord, um, all the children, Lord, and next generations, Father. I pray that we would be people of faith and we will walk, Lord, in your spirit, that we will raise our children, Lord, the way um, you called us, Lord, and the way you instructed in your word. I pray that you help each family, Lord, um, to put you first, to give priority to you, to put you in the center, and um, uh, you will bring past your word. You never fail, Lord. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord, we give you glory, Lord. We call people into the into the kingdom of God, into the family of God, Lord Jesus. We call them right now. We draw them because it says in God's word that you weren't made to do this life alone, but you were made to do it with others. So we gather, we gather the lost. We call them into the kingdom of God today, Lord Jesus. We thank you for families that have started their commitment to you, Lord Father. I worship you for that one believing mother or that one believing father or that believing family, Lord Jesus. I worship you, Lord Father, that each and every person that's watching this broadcast today has a specific 
purpose. There's a specific purpose in their life, Lord Father. So I call their purpose out of them in Jesus' name. We worship you. We give you glory for the family and the praying parent, the praying wife, the praying mum, the praying grandmother. Lord, there are so many out there. There are prayer warriors. Not one of us ever came to you by ourselves, but we were drawn. We are drawn to you, Lord, through the, either through generations of praying or through families who have prayed for us in the past or even other people that we don't know who have prayed us into the kingdom. We are drawn, Lord Father. We're drawn into the family of Christ. Lord Father, allow people to get a revelation when they watch this broadcast that family is not about me and them, but it's about us. Kotahitanga. We are one. We are one family, Lord Jesus. And Lord Feathers, we thank you that you will move in power and glory in Jesus' name today. Amen. Hey, thank you both, by the way. Thank you for your commitment to God. Thank you for your commitment to Metro uh, for all the ways that you serve and lead and guide. I thank you for that. Appreciate it. Um, for those of you that are a part of this service today, this is my story. And you've already heard how important the foundation of Jesus is in the life of Donald and Kate and in their family life because giving your life to Christ and walking with Jesus is a lot more than just a box that you call religion, uh, something you might even call spiritual life. Jesus didn't call disciples to visit him. He called them to live with him. That's why that verse in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 that is so often mentioned at moments like this, where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door, the door of your life. And he said, No, I knock. And he says, and if you open the door, he says, I will come in and sup with you. But the word sup there, that means more than just, well, we had a cup of tea. It means I came and we shared life together. And I want to encourage you that you can say yes to Christ, no matter what your background. You may have been raised in a different religion or no religion. Uh, maybe you have known about Jesus, but you've never really made the step of saying yes to him to come into your life and to be your Lord and your Savior. It's a personal thing. No one else can do it for you. No family member, no grandparent or anyone else is able to do that for you. You must do it for yourself. And I would love to pray for you if you would like to give Jesus your yes. It's that simple. It begins your walk with God. As you open up your heart and say, Jesus, please come into my life. You'll see coming up on the screen for you a number that you can text YES, you can text YES to, that's 0488-826-392 if you're within Australia. If you're outside of Australia or you'd prefer to get our help via email, then go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Of course, if you're with us on the metrochurch.online platform, the YES button is there for you. And what will happen if you give us your YES is that we will send you the next day and every day for 30 days we will send you a Bible verse and a prayer. Now, they're different every day, so you will every day get inspired and you'll get helped to understand, how do I start walking with God? But I want you to know that the moment you say yes to Jesus, he comes into your life. It's not a 30-day trial and then at the end he does it. He'll come in right away when you ask because he's waiting for your yes. So let me just pray with you, if we can, as you think about that and prepare to give Jesus your yes. Father, thank you for these people. Thank you for the ones, Lord, that uh, have stumbled on this, maybe even only caught this last part. And Lord, they're hearing about you and Lord, they uh, have always wanted to know you. They've always wondered, Lord, whether you were real, whether you were the person that the Bible talks about. And now, Lord, they're at that point where, 
right now the Holy Spirit is touching them and they know this is real and this is for them. And I pray for them, Lord Jesus, that they'll give you their yes. They'll say yes to Christ. I thank you for them, Lord, that each one, no matter who we are, whether we think we're good or we think that we're so bad, we're, we're beyond help. But Lord, you're able to save. We thank you for that. Thank you for your death on the cross. Thank you for your resurrection that gives us the opportunity for new life. So God, I thank you for those people saying yes right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, hey, thank you for that. Thank you again, Donald and Kate. Thank you for sharing with us your life and your perspective on it. And uh, God bless you all. Hope we see you somewhere soon because, you know, you're always welcome at Metro Church. Why don't you join us in the building, corner of Beaufort and Aberdeen Street right here in Perth. Uh, If you're able to come, that'd be fantastic. But I hope we'll see you somewhere soon.